Chris, good afternoon. Evening. Hey, man. Hey. So today with us, we have Yet Chispen. Hopefully, I pronounce that as close as I can. And she is a designer who is focused on bringing ethics front and center into the world of design. We've brought her on to have a, uh, a rousing conversation that I'm sure we'll go back and forth based on Chris, your and I's personal views of ethics. And uh, yeah, so yet if you want to introduce yourself a little bit, and then we can start uh, uh, hitting you with a few questions. Sure. Uh, so I'm Yet Chispen, uh, and um, yeah, I graduated on the topic of ethics for designers. And um, yeah, I could say that it's sort of my mission to bring ethics into the design world and, and into the actual process of design. And that's what I'm here uh, to talk about. So tell, tell us a little bit about when you say ethics within the world of design or to designers, what you mean by that? What do you feel is missing? So it all starts with sort of thinking about why we design certain things and why we design them in the way that we design them. So you could see that in how we design things as designers, you actually materialize your worldview, how you think people should live, how they should do certain things, how they should use your service. And that's embodied in everything that we design. Um, and that's why I believe that it's important that we start asking these questions. So how do you view the world? And why do you design th things the way that you do? Can you give us a quick introduction as to what you mean by ethics? So ethics is about what is good. Um, and it comes down to answering the question, which is really, really hard, um, of what it means to live a good life. Um, and this is something that we all have different um, views on. In that sense, I see a very clear relation with design because as designers, we're also trying to answer this question by what we design. So here is where we start with the fun, interesting questions. How do you work with ethics in a way that uh, can be worked on towards a product or a group when people will have very different views on ethics itself? So take, for example, an Alchus who's sitting here does not want to work on any programs that involve weapons or let's say alcohol or tobacco. I'm personally okay with that for a, a different view. And when you take these, these different views, how do you actually get people to work together? How do you get people to arrive at conclusions when people can have such different outlooks? So uh, the approach that I take on this, because that's a, a big part of ethics, that it's uh, subjective, that we all have different views. Um, so there's, there's bound to be discussions, and, and that's an important step, actually. The approach I take on that is to introduce a sort of neutral instrument into these, uh, these discussions. Um, to facilitate that you can put things on the table, that you have something to point at, and that you can all look at from your own perspective. I think that's an important step, that you have something on the table that you can uh, also write things down. And So what, what, what is that that you're putting on the table? Because I know that you have a toolkit. I know, actually, we're going to plug this right now. So what is, what is the website that you have the toolkit at? All right, it's uh, ethicsfordesigners.com. So can you give an example of one of those tools that you can place on the table to actually foster a lively discussion? Uh, so an example would be uh, the moral value map. Um, and this is literally what it says. So it's a, it's a way to map moral values within a design project. So there's a list that you can choose from um, with moral values. Um, and within the group, you start deciding which uh, values are relevant within this project. This could be positively relevant that you say, okay, this is an important value, for instance, autonomy or inclusivity uh, that we want to really promote within our design. But it could also be that there's a value that you might be obstructing with your design. So that also gets a place on this map. And the first step is, and that's a very important one, to discuss what this value means within the project. Um, and that's also where the subjectivity comes up because people might have different uh, definitions of these values. So that's the first step, defining what these values actually are. Um, and then this, this temp, so it's a template, uh, and this tool guides you in mapping which values 
you find uh, relevant and sort of flowing into this discussion of why these values are there, maybe setting up priorities, um, and then the next step is to divide responsibilities. So with what we see now with some of the larger companies that are out there, some of the ones that are getting more press, so you can say Facebook, Instagram, Uber, uh, I'm picking ones that have sometimes questionable ethical stances. Why do you think it's important for these companies to pay attention to ethics? They're, they seem to be doing just fine, with the exception of Uber, for other reasons. But if they're doing fine, why is this important? So these companies, and especially the, the really big ones, they have a huge impact on how we live our lives. Um, and so from maybe a day-to-day -day basis, uh, you might not realize what the impact of this is, but we can actually see that the way that people behave and the way that society is sort of set up has changed dramatically due to these uh, services and these companies in just how we go through our days uh, using all these different services, how we interact with each other, what we view as relationships or how we value them. So I believe that they, uh, these companies should, in, you know, the first step is becoming aware of this, this huge impact and saying that it's not just we're designing a good service and we're providing something to, like an, a means to an end, but it has a huge impact on how people live their lives. So do you find there's a, there's a weird paradox? Because the way that so many companies have approached their product, let's say social media companies, or well, you could take it for most companies, is getting something in front of your face. However that is done, it is to get your attention for five seconds, 10 seconds, one minute, 30 minutes. It's not always about what is ethically right. It's about what you know will earn that company money. And so if what I'm understanding, do you see a, a paradoxical aspect between this fact that perhaps once you introduce ethics, it may remove some of, that, uh, some of those pieces that bring in money, bring in revenue for companies? Because we know that, you know, let's say Instagram is not, you could say, the best ethically sound application. It's great, but I also wake up and see how everyone else is living their curated lives and it may make me feel worse, right? It doesn't, it doesn't help me lead a better life necessarily. So how do you see that delta between, uh, you know, running a business and then handling it ethically? I think the, the first reaction from these companies would be, yes, that's going to, you know, it's going to cost us money. It's, uh, it's not going to help us reach our, our goals. But I see that we've sort of drifted away from uh, designing services that provide value to users uh, towards you know, the initial goal is, is good in that sense to foster uh, social relationships, to be able to, to share um, experiences and do that in a sort of uh, accessible and visual way. But once this product is actually there, the, so having uh, an Instagram, the goal just becomes to optimize this for attention. And I think that's where we, these companies have drifted off. So tell me about value, because you said it's about providing value in my subjective way, get value from Instagram as far as killing time or seeing what my friends are up to, same with Facebook. Um, I, I totally agree. I'm arguing from both sides here. But what do you define as value? How do, how, and why are, here's the fun question, why are you in the position to dictate what's value to me if I think this is great? Oh, I want to be clear about that. I don't think I'm in that <laughs> position. Um, I mean, that's always easy yes, to great, say with great ethics. Great loaded right? question. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. No, I don't have that power. Uh, and I don't, also don't, I wouldn't want to have that power. But um, Value, yeah. So that's a very tricky uh, concept. And, and there it also has a subjective layer to it. And I don't think necessarily that it's one-dimensional in this case of, 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 for instance, Instagram. It's, it's different values and how they're prioritized. So the value of having social contact um, 
that might be a good value, and that's something that's also there in, in what this service offers. Um, but the value of being able to control your time, like managing your own time, that one kind of you know, drifts away to the bottom because it doesn't match with the, uh, the business goals of Instagram. I actually think that at the moment there's a bit of a shift going on with uh, Facebook. They, they made a couple of steps recently uh, where one is, of course, they're, they're trying to tackle this issue that we now call fake news thanks to a certain special person. Mm -hmm. But the way they're doing it is really interesting to me. So instead of marking something as fake or a hoax, they're um, actually, they have an experiment that at the moment you want to share it, you see a couple of other links that are about that same topic. So you can actually see everything yourself. So why I think that is ethical is that you cannot dictate what is good, but you can allow at least a person for themselves to decide what is good by showing them every facet of this. And there was another announcement of Facebook recently on top of this, which is that Mark Zuckerberg said they're going to focus again on you and your friends instead of becoming this whole article, political, and advertisement stream that it is today. And I think these two things together are really interesting. But now my question is, do you think that a company that is essentially fully run on attention span versus advertisement time can actually ever get towards something ethical? I don't know exactly how yet, but I do believe that it is possible, yeah. And I, I think that's a really interesting design challenge as well because this, this huge impact and, and sort of power and influence that a company like Facebook has because so many people use it and they use it so often on a daily basis could actually be used for, for, for different goals. Uh, and I, because I want to comment on what you mentioned. So the, the first part about... Um, the, yeah, the fake news. Right, the fake yes. Yeah. So um, what I think is interesting about that from an ethical point of view is that you provide users with uh, a choice. Um, and that's kind of relating back to, do I have this power to dictate what is good for people or what is, is perceived as, as valuable? Uh, no, and I don't think Facebook should have that power either. Um, and I think this is an interesting sort of road to, to venture on, uh, looking into matching their goals and their aspirations with what the user actually wants in a way that the responsibility lies with the user. I think that's important to stress. So your, your toolkit, and please feel free to plug the website again, uh, is broken down into three different sections. And I want to hit on each one of those briefly. So if you can go through that, that would be great. Yeah. So it's a toolkit. Um, it's online, available at ethicsfordesigners.com. You can download all the, the, to the tools for free. Please do. Um, so the three sections that Joe mentioned is uh, three ethical skills that I believe designers uh, can and should uh, develop. Um, so the first one is moral sensitivity, and this is about um, becoming sensitive to what ethics has to do with design um, and being able to recognize what are the topics or the, the questions that I should be asking within my design project. And the second uh, skill is uh, moral creativity. So if the first one is uh, more about asking the right questions and learning how to formulate these questions, uh, the second skill is about finding answers to these. And for me, the important premise here is that you uh, bring ethics into the design process in a creative manner. So it's not about, uh, you know, you're in a creative process, you're designing, and you have to drop everything and start asking these philosophical questions. No, you bring it into the creative process and use it actually to come up with interesting concepts. This is based on the, on the notion that constraints actually fuel creativity. I think that's a really good match uh, with ethics. Uh, and then the third skill is moral advocacy. So the first one's about asking the right questions. The second one is about answering these questions in a creative way. And then the third one is about communicating both these questions and the answers to other stakeholders, such as clients or other um, parties that are uh, involved in the, in the design project. So I'm curious, as you described all that, 
why do you say it's specifically for designers? And why I, the way I'll quantify this is we just talked about Facebook, right? We've talked about other situations that have ethics involved. Chus, uh, you and I have talked about uh, the GDPR regulation, which is all about protection of personal data coming mm-hmm. into effect in the EU. Yep. And companies need to look at uh, the ethical stance they take on that as far as informing users of how they're using data. And I'm curious why you see this as something for designers versus why you don't see this as more of a business consulting tool. Or do you see it that way as well? Um, so that partly has to do with my background, since I have a design background. So that's sort of familiar terrain for me. But um, the reason I focus so much on designers is because I see a role for designers to sort of take the first step in, in getting ethics on board because designers are, are able to, to connect different disciplines and to focus the attention uh, on the actual subject of the design process. And I think um, designers in that sense could like take a front, um, like a leader position uh, to, to also bring this into the business goals, but from a designer uh, perspective. So that also sort of circumvents these discussions about how to combine it with business goals. I think that's a second step because otherwise it's going to be really tricky to, to get start get it on the table uh, in the first place. I, I think the, the trick is that designers all the time need to prove what business value something has that looks like something that is just meant for aesthetic or something that's just meant for the pleasure of the user or something. I don't know. It, it feels that as a designer, you're always in place of defending something that other people don't directly see the value of, but very often when it's built or when you go into user testing, you can prove these things. Well, the other reason why I bring it up is if I think from a designer's perspective, and if we think those are the ones controlling the experience, that makes sense. But I also think about it from a marketing or communications point of view, how are you, or a brand point of view, how are you conveying ethics to users in in situations where users are getting more sort of fidgety around how people are using me as a product or advertising to me or using my data, right? They're being more and more suspicious. How are you actually using ethics as a business and strategy asset over just purely a, you know, sort of moral compass for the company? Of course, what I'm suggesting, maybe that gets a little too much into let's use ethics to promote revenue, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just how I think. Who's <laughs> help me out here? <laughs> I, You're not helping me whatsoever. No, Thanks. no, 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 not on this one. <laughs> what I find interesting is that ethical behavior is almost assumed from companies when they are big enough. Users somehow think that if a company is big enough, it must be good on security. They must not do anything weird with my personal data. That's why we tell Google everything. That's why we have a, an Amazon Alexa in our house. And and we we all trust these things. What do you what do you think about that effect? Because I'm not sure if that's the smart way to go, but it seems that that's how we take our decisions. Yeah, I think there's two sides to this story. So the one is the actual um, the the goals and and um, products of of the company itself and how they communicate these to to users. But on the other hand, there's also um, maybe a lack of education on the side of the user. I mean, a lot of things are are. Uh, deemed complicated because they have to do with technology. The actual technology itself is not the, the thing that we use, but it's it's what it brings us, um, what we can take out of this. So it's sort of easy as a user to not question any further what happens with your data or how you're actually, yeah, what happens sort of on the other side, on the side of the company. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's two sides of the story and I think it should be, maybe you can see it as more of a dialogue between a company and a user rather than that we have this big company and they provide a service and I trust them because they're big. So for longtime listeners, I'm going to ask some questions that are have been sort of a running theme 
throughout the podcast. If I'm happy with the services that I get, if, if Facebook, Instagram, if my uh, Amazon Echo device and my Google Home device and all of these things that collect my data and they collect my data to maybe that's advertised for it and to me, but the better they get at advertising, the more I'm going to buy it, the more I like it. If these things are making me happy, why is it wrong? Because I can see that ethically we could argue it is wrong, but if it's making me happy, why do you want to spoil that? Why do you want, you know, to me, I'm asking for these things. So why do you want to stop it? Ooh, that's a, that's a big one. I think we're, <laughs> we're, we're sort of going into psychology then. We're not then. over time. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, so yeah. That, wow, that's that's about defining what what happy means, right? I mean, wh how people define living um, a happy, fulfilling life. Um, and I think there there's definitely a lot of positive aspects to different services. I, I use most of them myself, and um, I think the the thing where it gets tricky and why um, it's ethically relevant is is the maybe just the, the sheer amount of time that we spend on these services um, and not doing other things that we might value more. Um, and a part of this might be that you don't actually know, you're not aware of how much time you actually spend on these these devices and these services and these applications um, because they just, they persuade you. They they almost, uh, yeah, they persuade you to use it. They, they persuade me to be happy? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> huh, that's an interesting well, way to put it, yeah. I, I wish, uh, I, I wish well, we were on video to see Hus's face as I'm saying <laughs> these things. <laughs> I also think it's, it's yeah, I'm going to make it very black and white. You're just confusing short-term happiness with long-term effects, and it's the same as drug use. You're destroying your body with short-term bursts of ex uh, uh, excitement, happiness, whatever, because you can't see the long-term effects of them because you don't understand them and you don't spend time thinking about them. So I think it's in the best interest of the company to do research into these long-term effects and see what it does. And this is one of the reasons why uh, Facebook is taking these steps because they published research about the fact that people who don't actively use Facebook but use it in a passive and scrolling and reading way tend to um, act or be less happy than people who actively take uh, part in Facebook. And I think that's where they are taking a good step as a company to actually seeing what they're doing and trying to fix that because in the end, if all of your users are unhappy, they're going to stop using it. And it's a business goal still. That's true. And they've been around long enough to see these effects now, I guess. Yeah. Good response. Ha. So yet, if you wanted to close with, uh, with one thing or one point that you'd like to make, wrap it up with something. Give us something. Sure. All right. Well, it might actually be a sort of a question uh, to the listeners, which is that um, with this, the toolkit, for me, the purpose is really to make ethics more accessible and practical um, within a design process. So I'm actually uh, looking for, for cases, companies, uh, designers, freelancers, doesn't really matter. But if you're actually practicing design and you're open for using these tools and, and providing some feedback on that, that would be really great. Because I believe that that's the way to, to, to get the, this started and get ethics on the table in a constructive uh, way. And I'll plug it this time. So ethicsfordesigners.com. That's correct. So check out the toolkit. Uh, download the exercises. I think it's interesting because at, at Raft, at least, we have many, many long-winded philosophical and ethical conversations <laughs> in the office yep. that are not necessarily organized in any sort of methodology or process, and this could actually bring something to us that would allow us to organize these conversations a little bit better. Yep. So, yet, thank you for, for taking part and being on the podcast. You're welcome. No problem. And, uh, I'll see you soon. Bye, man. Later. <laughs>